The Holy Gospel according to St. John. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out, and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, and did not know where it had come from, Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Does Mary's response to Jesus surprise you? It does me. You know, the wine had run out, and uh, this was a big deal, You know, the weddings in uh, Galilee at the time in Jewish culture would have gone on for days, stretched out to even a week. Uh, And evidently, uh, this uh, wedding celebration, uh, you know, the wine had run out long before the expected end of the party. Uh, And this was a social faux pas. Something that the culture at the time, the the members of that city and and extended family and friends would always attach to the name of the married couple. Oh, do you remember Bob and Sue's wedding? Well, you know, that was the one where the wine ran out early and all the guests had to go home. Right, And that's how they would always be remembered. Every time they were mentioned, Bob and Sue, oh yeah, that was the couple who, right? And this would extend even to the parents uh, and extended family. And, and that may not seem like that big of a deal to us today, but that just goes to show the difference between our culture and this culture uh, in which this uh, event took place because uh, honor and shame was a huge part of their culture. Uh, And no couple wants to start off their married life with this being attached to it. So Mary uh, was concerned on their behalf, and she came to Jesus, evidently expecting Jesus to intervene, to do something about it, to help out this married couple. But Jesus uh, says to his mom, uh, woman, What is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. 
Now, I'm just going to pause for a moment and say, husbands, don't take that as an opportunity to start calling your wife woman uh, <laughs> or children uh, to, your, to your mom. Uh, woman. No, uh, now all the commentaries I read say that this was not Jesus in any way disrespecting his mother, that this was just a cultural thing, all right? But it sounds very different in our ears, so I just want to clear up Jesus is not disrespecting his mama here, okay? Uh, but, uh, but he is telling her no. He's saying, this is not our concern. And also, this is not my time to intervene. This is not, this is not the big reason why I came. And it's with all of that being said that I come back to my opening statement. Does Mary's response surprise you? Because it does me. If I was there and I heard this no, from Jesus, and then heard Mary uh, go on to the servants and say, do whatever it is that he tells you to do. I might have taken Mary aside and said, uh, Mary, aren't you listening? Jesus said, no. Uh, he's not interested, clearly, in helping out this couple. Don't interfere any farther. Don't persist. But persist is exactly what Mary did. Jesus said, my time has not yet come. And yet she said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, why did she do this? I think it's because she knew who Jesus is. She knew his character. She knew precisely why he had come. She had God's word on the matter. God had sent to her an angel. We just heard this mere weeks ago. God had sent to her an angel who declared to her that the child that she would bear would be called the son of God. That he was the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior. And what did Mary know about the Savior? That he had come to help those who are in need. That he cared about the plight of the poor, of those who were suffering. So whether the concern might be considered by some to be small or the concern might be one of great import, she knew that Jesus cared and that he would act. And that's why she responded in the way that she did. Even as she sang, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So while the circumstances and in this case, even the words of Jesus 
seemed to indicate that Jesus wasn't interested in helping, Mary persisted in faith because she knew who God was. She knew who her son was. And she knew that her son loved and cared for those who were in need. I ask you, congregation, when circumstances in your life would seem to suggest that God doesn't care about whatever it is that you're going through, how do you respond? How might your life be different if in the moments of crisis you responded in faith, crying out to God in prayer and trusting even if your prayers would seem to go unheard, that God cares and that he will act. That he will act in such a way that you will benefit. When God seems silent in the midst of your crisis, perhaps it is so precisely so that you can exercise faith. So that in the midst of your suffering, you can exercise and grow in your trust in God. To recall God's perfect track record of helping those in need, of working to their benefit of God's promise of his love for you. Even when your circumstances would scream out otherwise. Martin Luther is quoted as saying, God hides his pearls in a pile of dung so that the devil cannot find them. The devil looks and only sees a pile of dung and says, huh, God has nothing for me here. It just stinks. And the devil moves on. But when your life feels like a pile of dung, you know, according to this little parable that Jesus or that that Martin Luther has given, that God still has that pearl hidden for you. The pearl, the priceless pearl of his presence, of his love for you, even in the midst of those difficult circumstances. The one who does not recall God's promises, who, who does not trust in God's good Nature, nor remembers his saving actions from the past. When life goes from one pile of dung to another, the unbeliever falls into despair. But the believer, in those same circumstances, when life seems like it's just going from one steaming pile of dung to another, remembers who God is, remembers his promise of love for you, 
remembers his perfect track record of coming to the aid of those who are in need, remembering that God in all circumstances is working to your benefit. That's what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, in everything, God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. In everything. Even when circumstances are way more catastrophic than the wine running out at a wedding. Mary only appears twice in John's gospel. She appears here at the wedding in Cana and one other time at the foot of the cross as she looks up at her son hanging in agony who looks at her and again addresses her. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, When Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This was Jesus' hour. The cross was the hour, the moment, the event for which Jesus came. To die on the cross for the forgiveness of the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. That promise applies to Mary, to the disciple whom Jesus loved, to the ones who had put him on the cross, And to all this world, to you and to me, for whose sins he died. He came and he blessed the participants in that wedding in Cana with the choicest of wines. Such that the wine steward was surprised, took notice that the greatest wine he had ever tasted had been saved for this moment. A surprise turn of events in his mind. That's the kind of wine Jesus provides. That is the wine that he poured out, his very own blood, 
shed on the cross for you. That is the very blood that you will partake of this morning. He gives it freely to you so that you may know beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what circumstances look like in your life, whatever your need is, whether this world might consider it to be small or great, that God loves you. That you are beloved in his eyes, such that he would die for you. So that you might experience the riches of life in him. Not just for this life only, but to expect this joy unimaginable. A surprise that waits for us. A surprise that far surpasses the surprise joy that that steward felt at that wedding in Cana. A surprise that we have only glimpses of, a foretaste in this feast. Of that feast that is to come. Mary trusted in the nature of the one whom she bore, the one whom she watched die, the one whom she witnessed rise from the dead. He is here for you today. He is here always with you, no matter what your circumstances might be. And when God seems silent, remember, remember this promise. Remember the joy that he has for you, the forgiveness, the peace that you have in him, and that all-surpassing joy that awaits us. And may that sustain you in every moment of your life. In the name of Jesus, amen.